Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is April 19, and our chapter for today is 2 Kings chapter 7. As you begin to read chapter 7, you will immediately find yourself in the middle of a story. Now, what this tells us, as we have learned, that the chapter and verse divisions are not always accurately placed. And as a reminder, these chapter and verse divisions were put in in the 13th century, the chapter divisions in the 1200s, and the 16th century or the 1500s for the verse divisions. It becomes obvious as the story begins in what we would call 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24 as the writer of this material that I believe to be Ezra was recounting this great story of the interdiction of God into human history again with a miracle that took place during the life of Elisha concerning Ben-Hadad II, who was the king of Syria, which was the enemy to the north. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army Now, in verse 23, we read of chapter 6 that the raiding parties ceased. But this was not a raiding party. This was an entire army that came against the city of Samaria. And the Bible says they went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Now, we don't know if the dove droppings were used to fire and kindle a fire and be able to be used as wood for a small fire for a family or as some kind of seasoning. Honestly, we don't know. But then it says, Then as the king of Israel was passing by on a wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What's troubling you? And she said, listen to this horrible story. This is how desperate these people were. And the king of Syria had a ring. He had laid siege to the city of Samaria and had cut off everything. And so she answered and said that the woman that she was associated with, one of her friends said, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. Now you talking about a desperate situation. This is how low this Northern kingdom had sunk when it came to even committing cannibalism. 
the times were desperate. And this was just one story of many that Ezra recorded. And it says, now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes as he passed by the wall. The people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him tomorrow. Now think about this. Here was a man, a king who desperately needed God with everything that's within him. What does he do? He begins to blame God and blame the man of God who represented God, which is usually the case when people come after a man of God, after a pastor, after a Christian leader. That is usually really a representative of what they would like to do to God if they got an opportunity. Now, I'm not talking about when a man of God or a pastor or a Christian leader has been obnoxious or done something ungodly or something uncalled for. I'm talking about when they're serving the Lord and being men and women of God and people are coming against them. This is usually the way it works. So he wanted Elisha's head. But Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he was still talking with them, there were messengers that were coming. And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. Then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Notice all these all capital words. This is the personal name of God. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time, a sea of fire flour, which is about a pint, will be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned, that's interesting. This word officer here is the word for a specific office holder. It was the person who was the shield holder, the third man in the chariot. One was the driver. One was the person who would be the archer or the person of dignity. And then there was a shield bearer. And this is the word for him. And so it says an officer on whose whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God, said, Now look, if the Lord would make the windows of heaven to be open, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. In other words, you're going to see all that happens, but because of your doubt, you're not going to get to experience it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another. Now just think about this. Here are four lepers. It's gotten so desperate that no one is even at the gate, and that's where all of the commerce and all the business transactions took place. But no one's there, and the lepers were in the gate. And they said to one another, one of the most famous lines in all of Scripture why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then famine is in the city and we shall die there. In other words, if we go in, we're going to die. And if we sit here, we will die also. 
So they were going to die one way or the other. Now, therefore, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, well, we're only going to die because we're going to die sitting here. We're going to die if we go inside. We're going to die somehow, so we might as well get on with trying to do something that's going to make a difference and make our lives to be prolonged. I just wonder about this sometimes when churches are sitting around dying and Christians are wondering what's going to happen, cowering in fear. I think of this COVID crisis and everybody just scared to death that they're going to die of COVID. Listen, folks, we're going to die of something. So why are we allowing fear to control our lives? This is what the lepers began to think. If lepers could think that, surely to God we could think correctly and say, look, we're going to die one way or the other. Why don't we die doing something that's worthwhile? And they rose at twilight, that is in the evening. That's between the time when the sun is going down and sunset itself. And when they came to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, there was no one there. Now look at this in verse 6. Elisha had already told them that something miraculous was going to happen, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said one to another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left their camp intact. Now listen to this, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came into the outskirts of the camp, they went in one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and went into another tent, carried some away from there also and hid it. And then they said one to another, we are not doing right. Now these are lepers. They are the most rejected of all the people groups that is known in the ancient world. And here they said, we're not doing right because we're not sharing with others. This is the day of good news and we remain silent. I know this is such a devotional thought, and I hate to go just right to application before we get started, but this is just too good to pass up. Folks, we are living in a day when if we just hang around, we're going to die. If we do something that's going to be radical and somebody doesn't like us and kill us, we're going to die. Why don't we die in the army of the Lord, dying for something that means something and spreading the good news? Now listen, this is a day of good news. You see Christians wringing their hands, pastors wringing their hands, Christian leaders wringing their hands. Oh, what are we going to do? We've got to bring our children up in such a horrible atmosphere and such a horrible day and time in which we're living. Folks, listen. The times have always been bad. Persecution is coming. We're going to be persecuted. We can't live like this forever. God has been so merciful and gracious to us, but the rest of the Christian world is suffering, and we will suffer too. And what I'm saying to you is, this is a day of good news. Let's not be down and dank and dour and sour and always looking on the bad and how bad it is, and we're just scraping by. The Lord Jesus is not alive from the dead in order for us to scrape by. The God of heaven is not alive so we can just survive. The God of heaven is alive and living within us through his spirit so that we can thrive, so that we can look up, so we can be different than everyone else. And this is exactly what happened. They said, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. In other words, you think this leprosy is bad. 
God may strike us with something else if we don't share this good news. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them. And you see the story. They they couldn't believe it. And so they said, well, this is a trap. The Syrians are so smart that they have they've entrapped us. You see, sometimes we give more credit to the enemy than what we need to. What we need to do is do the thing that's right, do the things that we know to do. Cautious, yes. We always need to be aware that our enemy is roaring about as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so the scripture says that after they had done all of their investigation, then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians so that a sea of flour was sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel. That was about eight gallons, according to the word of the Lord. Now, the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned, that is this third officer, to have charge of the gate where these people were going in now. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seas of barley for a shekel, and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. Then the officer had answered the man of God and said, Look now. If the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Now, why would God recount this horrible story while at the time it was so bad that cannibalism was taking place within Samaria? Why would God tell us this? to remind us that the darker the night, the brighter the light. You and I need to look up, brother. You and I need to look up, sister. These are days of great opportunity. Do you realize that during the days of the Great Depression, while many were suffering untold hardship, that many were beginning to make their fortunes? You know why? Because they looked for opportunities. Opportunities, new services that had never been provided before. Ways to reach people and teach people and minister to people and serve people and to create business that would be different than anything there ever had been before. I'm telling you, these are the greatest days that man has ever lived in. We have the greatest technology. We have the greatest ability to reach people in Jesus' name more than any generation before us. So don't sit around and get caught up wringing your hands, talking about how nobody's going to church anymore. The church of Jesus was never about a building. The church of Jesus was never about getting people to a building. It was about getting God's people together, teaching them the word of God, encouraging them, letting them be filled with the spirit of God, and then going out into their homes, the highways, the marketplace, and being salt and light, and being the message of Jesus to a world that is dark and perverse. That's our mission. Let's do it in Jesus' name. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. 
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.